In this episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, we're here. We're here during that special time of the year, the time to make hard decisions aligned with mission. It's time to let the blood flow. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. Let the blood flow. This was one crazy day. My coaches are disappointed with my decision to not renew their contracts. And my assistant principal spent the morning scrambling around trying to do the legwork he should have been doing with teachers who were losing their certification at the elementary level. It turns out that my decision to move toward self-contained classrooms has put four more teachers on the chopping block. Four fourth and fifth grade teachers. Now, admittedly, I would go outside and warm up the cars for three of the four of them. So I see this as a huge gift. Ironically, my assistant principal doesn't, and he's killing himself trying to work things out for two of the teachers, one of whom is a very, very good friend of his. This is the same teacher who decided after classroom rosters were distributed that she wanted her class roster changed. Uh, Open parentheses, wanted all the students with special needs out of her classroom, close parentheses. As a result of her request, and unbeknownst to me, my assistant principal collected all the rosters for the fifth grade teammates and rearranged them so she got the students she wanted. She's also the same teacher who, as legend has it, left 15 minutes early every day for years prior to my arrival. I think of her as a coaster, and that, that's a nice way of putting it. And the AP sees none of that, willing to put personal relationships before student achievement. It has been particularly awkward because while my AP has worked to save these coaches and now these four other teachers, I've stood by and let the blood flow. There's clearly two different types of energy when we're together, and I decided to address the elephant in the room and talk with him about it. So I talk with him privately about how a principal thinks regarding needed turnover. I was also very honest about our situation. I mean, we were the lowest performing school in the district, inside the lowest performing district in the greater Atlanta area. So I was honest about our situation at Swint and I emphasized that in order to move our school forward, the way we want to, turnover is necessary. And though not happy about it, I told them that in a sense, I plan to let the chips fall where they may. Let the blood flow. There's a lot to unpack here. Now, while this is my first year at this school, I am grateful for my experience, my previous experience in Montgomery County, because I went from a district that was pretty union heavy. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of like uh, strife with the union, but there was no union in the greater Atlanta area, not at this school where I was working currently. So being in that 
union district kind of taught me the hard way that, you know, folks don't, they don't make moves and make changes because you you talk about it. Like that that's one level up, but then you got to put pen to paper, baby. You got paperwork to do. You got procedures to follow. And sometimes they're super tedious and seems like they're built to set leaders up to fail because you got to dot every I and cross every T and hit these timelines. But it caused me to build a muscle that helped me look for, you know, alternative ways to make things happen. Because sometimes you could simply evaluate people out. I mean, if you are on top of things and you're providing uh, really good critical feedback, providing opportunities to get better and they choose not to and so forth and so on, then you can evaluate people out. But I had a situation at that school where, you know, the handful of people I could evaluate out, that, that wasn't, it's, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because this is one of the things I think is a challenge with our field is after a while, mediocrity thrives. And so while I had some absolute train wrecks at the school, I also had a goodly number of mediocre ass teachers who, and and when I say mediocre, I mean, it's relative relative to that school. They were mediocre. If they were at my last school, in Maryland, they would never survive. So it was, I hate to sound like it's, but it was relative. Like for for my current campus, they were mediocre, but they were sorry as hell. That's why I wanted them out. And because of the tedious nature of documentation in my last district, it just had me scurrying and searching because I did not have um, evaluative or anecdotal data on these mediocre teachers. They were kind of flying under the radar. And, you know, I own that part of it. And if I gave you some reasoning, um, it would be because there was just so much other shit to deal with. I mean, it's, it was just a certified shit show there. So I had to find some other ways. And I'd already been flirting with, um, a self-contained model, not completely self-contained, but he, but here's my thinking, especially at like my third, fourth, and fifth grade levels. And I understand this. I understand this today. I understand why, especially at the elementary level, teachers want to build more of a model that looks like middle school where they're more specialists, right? Because typical elementary school, man, teachers got like six or seven preps and that's ridiculous. I think there's some issues involved with that that have more to do with the system and not teachers, but that's the way it is. And so it's not unusual to find some departmentalization going on in your upper grades at an elementary school. And at my school, it started third grade. And I was already somewhat versed with with the PLC model. And this is what I knew. And learning this from Rick DeFore and Dr. Bob Aker and Becky DeFore. And that is... um, Fourth grade teachers become better fourth grade teachers when they collaborate around the right questions with fourth grade teachers. So while I'm in this first year at the school, I noticed that at my upper grades, my third, fourth, and fifth, I've got like one teacher per content area. So in effect, this is a large urban school with uh, three to four teachers per grade level and we are creating singletons. Now, 
I wasn't a consultant yet. I wasn't out on the road, you know. But today, that's that's a red flag that pops up right away. If I'm working with your school and I see that happening, you know, next thing I say is, well, what I'm about to say might not get me invited back, but I'm going to tell you. Like, you're creating a singleton situation. I work with enough, there are enough rural schools and small schools that are forced to have singletons, and that's a challenge. You, do, you, you can't create them in major academic areas in, you know, larger urban and suburban schools. I'm just, and, and primarily because it, it flies in the face of collaboration, you know? And this is a principle I knew about at the time, you know, when I wrote this journal entry, but I'm steadfast on it now. I remember one of my dilemmas being, I had a great fifth grade math teacher and she became my AP eventually, you know, the the following year. Great, I mean, she's great. And she could teach my kids. And Jeannie was fantastic. And so I struggled with this small tension between, man, Jeannie is fantastic as a fifth grade math teacher, but I knew that, you know, the principle was I-L-E, she would be even better if she had another fifth grade math teacher to bounce ideas off of, to collaborate. This is what I'm thinking then. Today, I know no one teacher has all the answers to unlock learning for every child. I know that. I've, I've, I've worked with hundreds of schools. I know this. But back then, I struggled with it because because I knew things more theoretically than I did practically. And Jeannie made it a hard case for me. But So that's one layer of why I was moving toward um, self-contained a more self-contained model so that there was and I know what my thinking was I need at least two teachers teaching reading I need at least two teachers teaching mathematics but so that would allow for some departmentalization but I remember seeing this this printout of the certifications that my teachers had at those two grade levels And I realized that if I then, if I announced that we're going completely self-contained, which I wasn't going to do, but if I announced that, that would automatically put some of their certification in peril. It wouldn't put them out of a job. It would put them out of elementary school at that grade level. So they would have to like transfer to another school or teach middle school. I don't remember all the details, but the the bottom line was they were certified enough to departmentalize, but not enough if they were self-contained. And so one of the, I don't know what you want to call it. I guess if you're a teacher, you know, you might call it a shady maneuver. If you're a principal, you might think of it as a savvy maneuver. But I just announced that we were going completely self-contained and that allowed for several more teachers to uh, uh, be oiled up and slide on down that uh, that slide we have set up in the backyard uh, into your car and off to somewhere else. Now, that caused some stress throughout staff because I, you know, I wasn't going to tell anybody that I wasn't really going to do that, but it's, it's what I had to do and the other challenge was my AP, you know, saw these people 
and treat them as friends and family and we're making decisions that weren't aligned with you know moving the school forward so you got these two distinct energies you know i'm i'm poking like if you think about you know a, a wall holding back water i'm, I'm poking holes and, and, and these things are springing springing water and he like Tom Thumb, he's like he's sticking his finger in these holes, trying to scramble and fill out certification paperwork and see if there are any loopholes. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is not working. Like this is an elephant in the room. Um, I thought maybe I could just grind on through it, but I had to sit down with him and just tell him this is just, this is what it's gonna be. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I might be able to. Uh, set up some exceptions for some of these folks if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I want to let the chip fall where they may, baby. Let that blood flow. He wasn't happy with it, but the the competing energies was super uh, unhealthy on our campus. So that was a difficult conversation. So knowing the process is really important. I've been burned a few times in my last district thinking that you know people gonna move because i just told them you you horrible that's why you got to go or it's just not working or you're not aligned but you got to fill out paperwork too and also this is an example of something i see in schools and i stand on it and that is you can't settle for mediocrity because of your fear of not finding better or or your fear of running into worse and i lived it and so i can say that with confidence i came from a district where if like i said my second grade teacher whispered if she whispered in the wind that she was thinking about transferring i get 50 resumes and in her office mail and now i'm at a school where i've got to like talk people into it like talk them into signing the contract and coming to our school and i'm talking about letting the blood flow when there's already a teacher shortage i'm in a district that whose reputation is taking a real hit in the area i'm at the worst school in that district and I'm talking about you know trying to move a dozen teachers out or so it's but I I had to risk it I had to risk it and you have to risk it you know it's you have to have faith that you know your vision your mission the shared mission shared vision the work you've done is going to serve to as a magnet to attract others and I can sit here today and say that it happened and um, I'm sure you'll find out in future episodes it took all damn summer to do it but um, it was what we had to do we had to disrupt that status quo and that's why I can stand firmly today 15 years later and talk about I am a disruptor we had to make that thing happen had to move past the fear of the devil you knew right and stop fearing the devil we didn't know. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, that which is obvious doesn't make it easy. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. 
For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.